Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good afternoon and welcome to Women Lead Radio brought to you by the Connected Women of Influence. I'm Eva Venari, founder of the Elevate Institute, and I'm your host for this segment of Owning Your Health, where we explore alternative ways to be more consciously aware of you owning what it takes to care for your body at work, at home, with today's health thought leaders. And our topic today is understanding the true cost of aging. Not premature aging, but just aging. <laughs> and our leading lady today is Gabrielle Pumpian. She is the Regional Business Development Manager at The Key, formerly known as Home Care Assistance. You may have heard of them in the last 20 years. They've been in business under that name. She cares deeply about helping older adults and their families navigate complexities of healthcare systems by providing them with resources and insights. So timely for today. So good afternoon, Gabrielle. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Eva. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, this is a great topic because, you know, it's unavoidable. We can't, <laughs> we can't stop the march of time. And I think a lot of people wait a little bit too long to prepare and it's not fully understood. So I'm excited to hear about this, not only for, you know, myself as uh, being a part of the sandwich generation, as they've coined it, um, you know, we're in, in not only responsible for ourselves, but our children who are coming into adulthood, but also our aging parents. So we're in a unique position here. So I want to hear more about um, what are the common things people are struggling with caring for their aging loved ones right now? Yeah, thank you. It's a it's a broad question, um, but I would just like to start by saying that most of us, pretty much everyone in the population, will come face to face with this um, challenge of making decisions and navigating the complexity of our healthcare system for themselves or for an aging loved one. And I think the best piece of advice that I can give is to be as prepared as possible for that. Um, most of the calls that we get from folks in the community around the country for caregiving services are often people who are in the midst of a crisis. And that's never a great place to make decisions, right? Right. So, um, exactly. Yeah, because you get pushed in directions maybe you don't want to. You get influenced by insurance companies or facilities or doctors um, that may not be looking at the holistic picture of, of the aging person or of yourself. And so I think the best place to start is really understanding what it takes to plan for helping um, navigate someone through the latter times in their life or when someone is recently diagnosed or early diagnosed with a chronic illness. Yeah, um, and we that goes from not only – yeah, exactly. And it's not only healthcare planning, but it's it's financial planning and legal planning because I think one of the biggest misconceptions about healthcare in this country is that it's 
paid for um, by insurance. And uh, when it comes to long-term care planning, someone taking care of or needing care in a non-medical capacity, um, that is not covered by health insurance. And so people have to dig into their own pockets and their family's pockets to pay for the support. Um, so there's a lot of planning that it entails, and um, our job is to help people through that process and to get them the services that they need to live a dignified life. I, I, w I would imagine that this is very similar to waiting to the last minute to buy your airline ticket. I mean, that seems very superficial, but the idea is if you're planning ahead, then you can get the best price on an, a plane ticket, right? So does the same thing apply in, in this situation, not only for planning, but I mean for being able to um, uh, secure pricing that works with your budget, you know, ahead of time. And I'm just, I'm getting a little creative with this idea, but I'm, I'm curious to know, is this something that you can plan for and then really plan for because you can lock in certain price ranges or uh, at least know your market? How does that come into play? Yeah, that's actually a, a pretty good analogy. Um, I would say there's, uh, there's a few ways to plan for. One is to understand really the average numbers of how much it costs to um, higher care if you need outside support for a loved one, um, and then also kind of what the options are as far as if an elderly person was to move into a facility setting versus staying at home. We've surveyed, the U.S. population has surveyed that 99% of Americans want to age at home, um, but that comes oh. with needing supportive services to do that. Um, so the first step, you know, that a lot of people I would encourage them to take is if you have a financial planner or you want to work with one to set up, you know, retirement accounts or a kid's college fund, um, you know, or when you buy a house or have a child and you set up a trust or, you know, you start kind of long-term planning financially for your own family, it's also a really good time to inquire with your aging parents or your aging family members that may tap on your shoulder one day and say, hey, you know, I need some support and I don't have the means to pay for it. Um, it's very common that as people get older and in their 80s and 70s that they haven't planned and so folks don't have the means and then their options become extremely limited. So one of the first steps is to inquire with a financial planner to say, you know, how can I build in long-term care planning into my future? There are plenty of options now that offer long-term care insurance or a combination of a product that provides both a life insurance policy and a long-term care insurance policy, and that does cover a portion of the cost of caregiving or assisted living services um, for older adults. Um, so, I, you know, starting there with the financial piece is, is really important to kind of wrap your head around. And, and it's not a fun conversation to have. <laughs> I have had to have it with my own folks, you know, to say, hey, I'm, for example, I'm an only child. I don't live near my parents. They live 800 miles away. Um, they are not, you know, Bill Gates and uber wealthy. So I said one day, you know, what's your plan? And, and, and I have a child and I said, you know, I'm planning on saving for her future, but I need to know like what your expectation of me is. And it caught them off guard, but I'm so glad I had ah. that conversation 
because we, we found out, I uncovered, that they really didn't have a long-term care plan. And so we started the ball rolling. We got them a policy through their, uh, that they qualified for through their financial planner to set them up for some long-term care insurance support. And I kid you not, less than a year down the line, my mom was diagnosed with the disease, and she has had to now use that policy, and it has become such a stress reduction for her and my father to know that they have this coverage uh, paid for um, and having the caregiving support um, in their home. So it does pay to have the conversation, even though it's uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, but so worth it. So you can be uncomfortable for about 30 seconds while you get the words out, or <laughs> you can be uncomfortable through the whole process as it's an emergency, right? Which, right. I mean, why would you stress yourself out that much? But what, that's a great example of how a, what a success story could look like. And I want to dip into more about that and what stress reduction can look like in addition to planning ahead. But we're going to take a very quick commercial sponsor break. So we'll be right back. Thanks, Eva. Okay, Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be one of the largest private nonprofit universities founded in 1971. The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. Thank you so much for your support, National University, and to all of our sponsors and our partners like you, Ms. Eva Veneri, that you are a sponsor. So thank you. Now back to your show. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. <laughs> Very good. And we're back here with Gabrielle Pumpian of The Key, discussing the true cost of aging. And we were just getting a terrific example of how plant, like a little moment of discomfort and planning ahead with your parents for the future can save you so much stress in future times because we don't plan to be in a critical care situation and we don't plan to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's or with dementia or need temporary assistance at home as opposed to like, you know, hospice or long-term care. It's always those interim places. So let's talk a little bit more about not only the stress of us as a SANS generation, but stress reduction factors in addition to planning ahead that um, both, both the, the, as us, the children, the generations and, and the, the elders, how can we reduce our stress um, through the, this, this whole process of planning ahead? That's a great question. Um, sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. But I like to say that, you know, helping an older adult through the last, you know, decade or less of their life is like raising a child in the first decade of theirs. It takes a village. We've heard that phrase for raising babies and it is true, you can't do it alone. So I would say step one is don't think that you can care for your loved one all by yourself, and nor should you. And that's part of my job um, at The Key as the Director of Business Development is to really help educate the community and make sure that people understand what their options are. Um, so I think finding out what's available, you know, doing your due diligence to understand 
the resources in the community or getting connected with the right person that can point you in that direction um, is step one in reducing stress. Uh, step two would be to actually act on the resources that you're provided to hopefully find the means financially to be able to do that and to bring in additional support. And I can talk a little bit more down the line of what that's like to hire caregiving companies. You know, I can even discuss a little bit the difference between hospice and home health. But I think the, the, one of the most shocking statistics is uh, that I've read recently is that the number of um, working adults to older adults, which is somebody who's 65 and older, has significantly decreased. At the beginning of the 20th century, it was, I think I read, 25 working adults to one older adult as far as support. Now uh, we're coming up to only three working adults for one older adult. And so when I say it takes a village, we really have to find good people who we trust that can actually provide support and care and not just take that burden on by ourselves. You know, there's not a whole lot that shocks me, Gabrielle. That I was scared to hear the number <laughs> and then I was I was assured by you that I had a right to be scared. That's insane. Yeah. From twenty five to one to three to one. That's that's very shocking. Um, yeah, it's true. Well, it's, it's true. And then most of the burden of folks who do end up becoming their primary caregiver for their adult parent are the women, right? We naturally are caregivers, most of us. Um, we have this instinct to support others often before we take care of our own selves. Um, and the pandemic yeah. has really shed light on the fact that the women are the first to leave the workforce when we have a crisis in terms of care and the pandemic just showed that so many women left right to care for their children to care for care for their parents so they've sacrificed their own job and their own quality of life to care for others and our society can't really afford that we need women in the workforce um yeah yeah well you're reminding me of uh, i don't know what the statistic is today Maybe you have it, but the women in the workforce was over 55% pre-COVID, you know, as far as who, who was out there actually in job positions, you know, and not, not entrepreneurs. We're talking about in, in jobs. That's two different things. But um, to have so many just to, to, to leave, to, to, to take care of um, other family members, it feels a little bit like a sacrifice. And I would imagine that can have its own ramifications and um, mental health for those who are, like you're mentioning, a lot of stress around trying to handle it all. So where, rather than letting your body be the breaking point where you, as the caregiver, are broken down, what's a good indication? At what point should somebody be saying, mm, I need to bring in help now because if I wait too much longer, I won't be able to handle myself as in addition to the others that I'm responsible for? Yeah, I think recognizing the common burnout factors, um, you know, lack of sleep, anxiety, um, not eating well, not uh, resting well, um, you know, canceling things that are, bring you joy because you have to do, you, know, you feel burdened, you have to do something for somebody else all the time. You know, really the typical signs of mental health breakdown that we easily can ignore 
um, but that can snowball and create catastrophic results for our own selves and those around us. And I think that it's so easy to let yourself be um, not taken advantage of in a purposeful way, but it's easy to not consider yourself and how you're feeling when you're wrapped up in the midst of seeing your loved one, you know, dying or going through cancer or, you know, struggling with their own physical and mental health. But uh, I was speaking with a son yesterday locally here who has a very important job, and his mom recently was diagnosed with cancer. He moved her in with him and his wife, thinking it would be, you know, easier to provide care for her. And he's, um, he is struggling significantly because her health is declining, and he's in meetings at work, and he finds himself just spacing out. And he's running important projects. And he told me yesterday, I can't do this alone. I need help. And I can't put it all on my wife. And I'm missing important things at work. And he has a lot of stress. And so I think recognizing those stress indicators is super important. And reaching out, finding even support groups, or again, finding resources in in your local community is important. There's so many. so many support groups out there that I don't think people take advantage enough of. Well, what does that look like? I know there's family service agencies right off the top of my head. That's what I'm thinking of. But in addition to that, what what would somebody go onto Google and type in or their favorite search engine <laughs> and type in yeah. to look for? Yeah. There, I mean, I think it really also depends on the disease. Um, so, for example, my mom was diagnosed with cancer recently, And so there are cancer-related support groups, not only for caregivers caring for cancer patients, which I and my father have attended, which was amazing, um, but then also support groups for her to help her um, feel more understanding and in community with other people who are going through. Um, Same with Alzheimer's disease. There's amazing Alzheimer's associations and organizations throughout the country that people can tap into that have free education, um, that have support groups. And I think one of the the most helpful tools is to just understand uh, what that person is going through. What is this disease? What does it look like? How does it evolve? Uh, What's to come? So that you're not anticipating and being scared and letting the fear overcome you when you could maybe release some of that fear by gaining knowledge. Um, so I think getting involved in specific disease support groups that your loved one is going through is, is very helpful. Yeah, it's, it's better to plan for the worst and, and, of course, hope for the best <laughs> as opposed to the other way around. Well, I want to kind of start with the idea of, you mentioned earlier, 90% are wanting to age. They want to stay home. They want, and I don't blame them. Me too. Um, so the idea of being able to age in place, what's the most important thing to prepare for aging in place? I'm going to start there and then go into long-term and then, you know, hospitalization. Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, everyone makes changes in their life or come face-to-face with changes. So maybe when folks are in the midlife, maybe in their 50s or early 60s, pre-retirement, when that when that retirement is looking closer and closer it's thinking about you know finding your kind of forever home if that's important to you or it's starting to inquire and look at other group community living settings there are so many wonderful what we call senior living communities places that 
offer independent living all the way through memory care or just standalone independent living or assisted living um, with amenities and socialization and activities. Um, that really appeals to some people. So, you know, going out and looking at some places early so when the time comes, you have a short list of places you've already considered, and it reduces the stress burden of starting from scratch, right? Or secondly, mm -hmm. thinking about downsizing um, a home. Maybe someone has raised a family of four, and they live in a, a large home, but everyone, you know, all the kids are out, and there really isn't a need for a, a, a large home. So finding a space that has options to age in place, so taking account not like a three-level home with stairs unless you're willing to put in an elevator or a chairlift, um, finding a space that can be, um, you know, amenable to a disability, and then um, really financially starting to put away, I think people put away money for that dream vacation or um, the dream car. But later in life, you could be hit with a huge yeah. cost, and it may not be in the form of a vacation or a car, and you want to be able to, um, to be able to spend the money that you need for the, for the services that, that you require. Well, and, and then you have the, the um, calculated risk takers who say, well, you've got to live for today because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You know, maybe you won't live to the point where you need all these um, I'm, I'm being the devil's advocate here, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, well, so I'll what do you, just say. What do you, yeah, what do you say to them? Yeah. Well, I say that is statistically the U.S. population is living generations longer than we were, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Um, every day, 10,000 people turn 65. And by the year 2060, almost 25, almost a quarter percent of the population will be over 65. Um, and a lot of that population will live well into their 80s and 90s. I mean, we have so many clients today that, like, 85 is the new 65. 100 <laughs> is the new 85. Yeah. And people are living longer. Um, so yeah. I say live every day, but also know that somebody is going to need to take care of you unless you tragically pass away, you know, from, from something sudden, like I said at the beginning, it takes a village to usher someone out of this world just as it does to bring them in. For sure. And I used to tease that as we get older, we are more like babies. You know, we need diapers. We need, we lose our hair. We mm -hmm. lose our teeth. <laughs> we lose our memory. And all of that <laughs> Which costs money. I know it does. So, you know, I'm thinking too about an article that I saw this morning. Headlines were saying, that people are waiting to retire or not retiring at all because it actually has an effect on their longevity. It gives them purpose, right, something to do. So, you know, there's always this transitional phase where you can work not as hard or as heavy as you did before, you know, you're eligible for retirement. But now, for me anyways, I have to be 72 to, to, to retire and collect Social Security. So as the different generations age into retirement, we're required to be older anyways. So there's all of that to consider. So as, as a person is aging in place, mm -hmm. maybe they've decided, okay, I'm going to stay here. And I'm going to put up my handrails in my bathtub. I'm going to make sure that I can reach high places without getting onto a ladder or put everything at arms, you know, standing length at height instead of way up, way up high. 
being safe, right? So then you've got those who need to have long-term care. What does that look like in America, and how much does something like that cost? Yes. Well, I'll first preface with I'm not a long-term care insurance broker, so I'm not going to pretend like I know exact amounts. However, (laughs) um, I can tell you that in the United States, we do not have a system in place to support our citizens with long-term care. So it's on us as individuals. We, We don't have this collective responsibility like a lot of other developed nations do to care for their elderly folks. So First step is, you know, you do have to figure it out for yourself. Um, And typically, uh, kind of the old school long-term care was you pay a premium, you pay it for decades, you know, 25 years, hoping that by the time you're in your 70s, 80s, and you have some changes of condition where you require assistance with a few of your activities of daily living, such as showering safely or Uh, meal preparation or, um, you know, driving to appointments if you aren't driving anymore, then that that will be covered by a long-term care insurance policy. Um, So I I definitely, like I mentioned, the first step is to understand your options, discuss options with a financial planner, and um, kind of understand what what is foreseeable in your own budget to start thinking about or getting a policy that could really help you down the line. And then when people are ready to use their policy, when they qualify, they call an agency like the, we, uh, we do an assessment, we identify their needs, and then we provide our documentation as a full-service agency that's licensed by the state of California that provides liability and workers' compensation for their caregivers, uh, that pr- provides you know, background checks and pays payroll taxes, so we are an agency that an insurance company will approve to work with the claimant who needs the care. Um, a lot of people think they can hire privately and just find someone off Craigslist or a friend of a friend to provide the care, <laughs> but that may not be covered by right. the insurance agency. So it is important yeah. to, um, yeah, to do some due diligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I laugh because one, one, it is absurd because we we don't have qualifications, but I can understand someone who is trying to do it because that's all they can afford, yeah. you know, off of Craigslist or, you know, a friend of a friend. Oh, I can, I can do it for you, but they may not be really qualified in knowing what they're doing, especially if we're talking about administering um, prescription drugs or watching somebody through the night knowing what to look for, et cetera. There's all these wonderful things. And so then... Um, I want to move into, like, post-hospitalization because this seems to be a place when people are needing even more care than a typical long-term care where you're just needing help getting around and doing things you normally could do on your own. But this is this is a healing place. So what are the important tips to look for post-hospitalization care and the advocacy for elderly loved ones? Yes, that's a great question. So um, before you leave a hospital, uh, there's a lot of things that can be considered um, and some fears, like who's going to take care of me? Am I going to be strong enough to go home on my own? Um, So understanding, again, your options for what is covered by your insurance, which is typically if a patient has been in a hospital for three days and they have Medicare, they can get 100% covered, a home health agency to come out and provide skilled nursing care, physical, occupational, or speech therapy, um, a social worker, and an aide to come out and provide bathing visits. That's a wonderful thing to advocate for 
um, out of the hospital is called home health care. Um, however, that is an intermittent service. So unlike a caregiving agency like the key, home health will only come out intermittently for about an hour at a time for a certain period of time that's been approved by insurance. So um, but that is extremely important to advocate for yourself to get. Um, uh, it's the hospital's prerogative to refer home health services or hospice services, depending on the patient's diagnosis and, um, and you know, projected outcome prognosis, because if that patient is readmitted to the hospital within a 30-day window, the hospital ends up losing money and having to pay a fine for that. So it really is in their best interest to discharge patients home safely with the right services in place. But advocacy for your older adult who may not know what's going on. They may have hospital or institutional-induced dementia, which is very, very common when an older adult has been in a hospital bed for a few days and they're very disoriented and they don't know what's going on. And so having an advocate to talk to the case manager and the doctor to understand the best plan for care is really, really important. Wow, I did not even know that hospital-induced um, dementia was a thing. So I've learned mm-hmm. so much <laughs> about uh, what to per- what could we prepare for and the potential questions to ask, and I think that's been in- extremely valuable. So I want to give you the opportunity. People have been uh, listening in, and maybe they want to reach out to you. Uh, what can they find? Uh, first of all, tell us where to find you. What was, what's the website? And uh, what can they find there when they go? Yes. Uh, highly encourage people to visit thekey.com. It is a wealth of information. Um, it's also a great place for professionals who are looking for resources for their own clients. Um, so it, we have a great blog that has a lot of important articles. We have referral partners, types of of folks that we work with to provide our services to their clients. And then a lot of just really great kind of layman's term information about long-term care, how to set yourself up for success, and how to um, get the support that you need when you're caring for someone that you love. Wonderful. And that's thekey.com, T-H-E-K-E-Y. And we're going to have that in the show notes on today's podcast show page so that's all the time we have for our show but i want to thank you profusely (laughs) for being on the show gabrielle this has been very informative thank you so much thank you for having me and yeah fantastic conversation special thanks to all of our listeners from all over the world we are an international show and we'll be back again for another women lead radio show both mondays 9 a.m and fridays 2 p.m pacific time by my sincere pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening in. Have a great weekend. This is Eva Venari, founder of the Elevate Institute, reminding you to question everything. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.